1: You are listening to any given sunday a part of the dead end podcast network please subscribe to our podcast on apple spotify google and all other podcasting services please make sure you check out dead end hip-hop dead end sports dead end gaming is the mic still on chris platt strictly hip-hop and hoops talk and a host of other shows on our podcast network thank you for listening and enjoy the show For Thursday, March 7th, 2019, this is Any Given Sunday, the Thursday edition, and I'm your host, Manny Brown. Well, don't adjust your sets, your dials, your televisions, your computers, your phones, wherever you're listening to this podcast. This is the Thursday edition of the show. Uh, unfortunately, as you guys know, we weren't able to uh, give you guys a podcast episode this past week or this past Sunday, uh, had some technical difficulties. It's just one of those times where technology decides it does not want to cooperate when it's supposed to, and it makes it very difficult. Difficult on us to do what we love to do, so it was just one of those days. Uh, had to had to charge it to the game, man. So I took the L and weren't able to release a podcast episode this past week. But um, I figured I'd make it up to you guys and uh, release two episodes of the podcast this this coming weekend. Uh, got two shows, one dropping tonight. Hopefully, if I can get it up in time. If not, definitely tomorrow morning. And then I have another show that I'm recording tomorrow and posting tomorrow night. Hopefully into Saturday morning. So. Uh, uh, yeah, a double dose of uh, AGS for you guys out there um, to make it up to make up for the lack of show this past week. So yeah, hopefully, hopefully you guys enjoy it. I, I think I got two really good guests uh, lined up for you guys that I hope you guys enjoy. But um, the first guest uh, of the of the weekend is uh, the great New York Jets beat writer, Mr. Daryl Slater, who's been covering the Jets for about six years now. He is a columnist for the Star-Ledger and he also writes for NJ.com and he vlogs and posts video updates about all things New York Jets on NJ.com Advanced Media. Um, one of the most plugged in Jets beat writers out there. It's a guy that I've wanted to have on the show for a while and just couldn't, couldn't line up our schedules, but we finally got it and uh, I'm really happy to have him on the show. Uh, Daryl, welcome to any given Sunday. My name is Manny and uh, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Of course. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, we were just talking offline that I think we're both longing for the days of some nice weather, right?
0: Yeah. I can't wait. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it'll, be, it'll be nice to get to the, the sweltering weather at training camp. That'll be fun.
1: You know, you're going, uh, you're going away from Florida for a couple days. So I guess you'll get a little, a little tease of it. Some of us still have to get stuck in the, in the winter for a couple more weeks, right?
0: <laughs> yeah. I got a couple days in Florida and then for NC so gets rolling. So
1: again, thank you for being on the show and uh, yeah. Let's just get right into it. Um, you know, just kind of give a brief bio of yourself, man. I've been watching you and covering, following your work for years, but there's maybe some folks that um, may not know you or are obviously aren't Jet fans, so they don't, they don't, uh, they're not familiar with you. But just kind of give them a brief bio: of who you are, how you got your start in in, in the business, and uh, you know how you came to covering the Jets.
0: Yeah. Um, well, I covered in I covered college football and college basketball in South Carolina for oh, gee, probably like you know seven years or so. Um, did that from basically 2006 to 2013. Covered Virginia Tech, Virginia, University of South Carolina, and got a chance to see some really good players down there. Covered Jadavian Clowney in college, and that was a lot of fun. Steve Spurrier, and, uh, you know, that, that was a great experience. And um, and then, uh, well, I'm from upstate New York, so then in 2013, I got the chance to come up to work with the Star Ledger and NJ.com um, in 2013. So I've been covering the Jets since just before the 2013 season started. And, uh, and yeah, it's been a, been a cool experience and, uh, and no playoffs games yet but certainly plenty of drama to cover uh, and, uh and, you know obviously it's a great place to live so um that's sort of that's sort of how I end up covering the Jets you know getting it getting the opportunity to come up here in 2013 so what this is the uh third coach I've covered now so let's see how Adam Gates compares to Rex Ryan and Todd Bowles
1: so what you're saying is they and on the never, Jets speed, right? <laughs> never a dull, never a dull moment. So I think everybody knew it was time for Todd Bowles to go, right? I mean, it was four years; three of those years were absolute disasters, including a last place finish this last this past year. Um, how did you feel about the Adam Gase hire, though? Initially, um, I, I kind of, I think the ma- I want to say the majority of the Jets fan base was was not happy with the hire. Um, I think including myself, uh, it's grown on me a little bit as the weeks and months have gone by. How were you initially to the new, to the, to the news of Adam Gase becoming the New York Jets head coach? Uh,
0: you know, I, I, I don't think it was necessarily ideal, but I think he presented a lot of the positives that, you know, there's a reason he obviously got fired in Miami. You know, right. he, he did not do a good enough job relating to the players down there and didn't win it off, obviously. So, um and but i think that he has enough of the qualities when combined with greg williams so he brought in a really good defensive coordinator so and that was a must and i think he has enough of qualities that you you feel like maybe he can develop sam donwell which is priority number 1 and and one thing about gates is he's never had a um never had a young quarterback to work with he's always had kind of older guys and you know some of those older guys like pate manning were great and others like uh you know ryan Tannehill, not as great so uh, i think this is a really unique opportunity in terms of Gaze's career. And um, you know, I think I, I could see the higher you know, in terms of the personalities, that's that's my I don't know about concern, but I, I think you just look at it and you, if you're a Jets fan, you think, you know, a type A guy like Gase, type A guy like uh, Great Williams, how are they going to get along? Um, you know, right. then, you have, then you put Joe Vitt into the mix on defense. How is he going to get along with Great Williams? So um, I think, you know, there's a there's a chance for this to be very dramatic. Um, but if Sam Donald develops and plays well and the Jets put enough quality pieces around him, you know, you Team taking strides, maybe be an eight-win team this year, maybe a nine-win team. I don't think they're going to win twelve, thirteen games, but you know the whole point here is progress,
1: right? And and just on the coaching hire, like a lot, obviously, when big coaching changes and hires happen, there's a lot of media. Yeah stuff that goes around, you know, as a fan, you don't, you're not sure what to believe just in your reporting and everything that you, that you've kind of researched and looked into this, um, you know, was Adam Gates, their, their first target. Was he their guy all along? I know that they had some flirtations with, uh, Matt rule from Baylor. And then of course you, you had uh, Mike McCarthy was very interested in the job. So just from all your reporting and just researching, uh, how did this hire kind of, how did it all went? How did it all go down? Was it, was it just ownership making this call? Was it a Mike McCagnin and ownership, you know, combined call? How did this all kind of play out?
0: Yeah, Mike McKenna consulted on the search, but ultimately it was Christopher Johnson's call. And, you know, I don't think they'll ever really say who was the first choice mm-hmm. per se, but, um, you know, as they went through it, I think they liked Gase's experience as an NFL head coach over um, over Matt Rule. And uh, there were some staffing concerns with Matt Rule about how he would fill out his staff, which is obviously a critically important part of becoming an NFL head coach for the first time is, you know, how do you fill out your staff? And I think with McCarthy, they thought, you know, maybe some of his ideas were not as fresh as Adam Gase's, you know, there were a lot of things that went sour in, in Green Bay and also in Miami, but um, in terms of uh, McCarthy's ability to kind of motivate a team at this career, his message had kind of, uh, um, you know, grown stale there. So I, I think they felt like Gase had the right mix of NFL head coaching experience, even though he doesn't have a ton, he has not been a proven winner uh, over the long haul, um, and, and the right mix of that, and also of quarterback development, and they, they, the Jets really fell in love with that part of it, and we'll see if they wind up being right.
1: Um, Let's get into Sam Darnold a little bit. Um, Did did Sam meet all of your expectations coming into this season or did he exceed them, or did he not live up to them? I mean, how, how would you assess Sam Darnold's first year in the green and white?
0: Well, I think with any rookie quarterback, you have to set pretty low expectations. I mean, rare is the case where a guy will come in and light it up, even though we've seen a few of those rookie years and in recent years, Dak Prescott and and um, you know, really not even Patrick Mahomes because that wasn't his rookie year last year. So right. uh, it's really hard to come in and start from day one. Really, really hard to do that and to thrive. And um, you know, I thought Sam Darnold did about what I expected. You know, he showed some flashes of potential. He he had some hiccups, and he he did what the Jets, you know have raved about was just he rebounded well from adversity and that is you know really important he was able to stay steady throughout his rookie year i think he probably performed about as well as i would expect now you know i think he's got a really good chance of being a really good quarterback but we'll see i mean i don't think it's set in stone yet that he's going to be the guy for years and years he has to continue to progress but i think he saw enough signs down the stretch that um in those final four games after he returned from his injury that that yeah maybe maybe he can he can be that guy, but you know, it's 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 still too early to say there are signs.
1: Um, when you're when you're trying to analyze this team, obviously the, the the number one priority is to put pieces around Sam Darnold and to build this team around him. If you're obviously we're all in on Sam Darnold being potentially the franchise quarterback right now. Before we kind of get into free agency and the draft and all that, what do you see as the biggest need for this team right now? Whether whether they fill that need in free agency or through trade or through, uh, you know, the draft, of course, what do you see as the biggest uh, piece or pieces that this team needs to make or make, you know, biggest acquisitions they need to make to take that next step and and put a team around saying,
0: I think offensively it's, it's the line because if they can't run the ball more consistently than they did last year, if they can't protect this kid more consistently than they did last year, you know, they're not really going to give them much of a chance regardless of what skill players you put around them. You know, their line was not good enough last year. Um, you know, they cut their center, they let their they're gonna let their left guard John uh James Carpenter walk in free agency. So um they have to replace those two positions with veterans. I mean, it's not a situation where you can draft to fill either of those positions because you're not going to draft in the first round to either of those positions and so you don't have a second round pick right now. So the Jets have to fill center and left guard um, you know, regardless of what they do with Le'Veon Bell or the running back position. Those are two critically important pieces that I think a lot of people are, you know, maybe if you're a casual fan, overlooking a little bit um, amid all the talk about Le'Veon Bell. Um defensively, you know, edge rusher has been an issue, whether it's you talking about the 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 defensive end in the 3-4 or, or that, that outside linebacker position, rush outside linebacker position in the 3-4. It's been an issue for this team for years. I mean, you think about the guys that tried to get to fill that spot going to Quinn Copels, going back all the way to, you know, 2012 and. Um, you know, some of these guys that just have not panned mm-hmm. out for them. And um, they have to, have to, have to fill that spot. And the, and the problem is, you know, obviously in free agency, we all know that they, all the guys who got franchise tagged and are not available, mm-hmm. whether it's Frank Clark, and Clowney, DeMarcus Lawrence, you know, D Ford. So, uh, you know, I think there's some opportunities for the Jets here, whether they want to, uh, you know, go after a Josh Allen and now, if, if Nick Bosa falls to them a three, it's a no-brainer. But if, if Josh Allen or Montez Sweat, or they, or they go with Quentin James if he's available there, and a lot of hinges on whether Kyler Murray goes first. So. um in terms of free agency, you're looking at guys like Zedaria Smith, Dante Fowler, kind of some lower profile guys who, uh, well, in the case of Smith, I think Fowler's the higher profile guy is kind of underwhelmed. Right. Um, but it, yeah, I think that's a huge, huge issue. So they have to get to the quarterback more than they have. Uh,
1: speaking of the defense, there's been a lot of talk of what the Jets are going to do with Leonard Williams. Uh, it's, it's interesting because, you know, it, it, I feel like most of the Jet fan base likes Leonard Williams, and and I think that they feel like he's a good player, but they feel kind of underwhelmed by him that he hasn't quite lived up to that impact potential that he was, you know, billed coming out of, uh, out of SC a couple years ago. Uh, where do you stand on Leonard Williams? And is there any talk of them maybe trying to dealing for a second round pick? There's been a lot of talk about the Jets trying to, uh, you know, kind of uh, regain some of that uh, lost, um, uh, lost collateral that they lost, you know, obviously that they lost with the same Darnold trade up last year. So uh, is there any chance that the Jets are maybe considering Dealing a Leonard Williams? No, they they
0: want to keep him. They they do not want to deal him now. Maybe that has to do with the fact that they put some feelers out and they don't think they could get a second round pick for him. I, I mean, I I would be surprised if a team would give up a second round pick for him for the reasons you kind of Agree with that? That he's a, he's a good player, um, but has not been a number six overall in the draft type player. Um, He's he's been impactful at times. He gets to the quarterback. You, you know his quarterback hits to sack ratio is insane. Um, you know, he's a lot of quarterback hits, but not a lot of sacks, and has not kind of taken that next step to being to being an elite player. Um, he's been very good, um, but we'll you know we'll see. They're going to pay his fifth year option this year. And he'll be with the team in, in what will be the final year of his contract. We'll see whether I, I would be surprised if they franchise tag him next offseason, unless he has a monster year. Maybe he does. Um, but you know, it's, it's, it's sort of the same situation as Muhammad. Are similar, um, where you know Muhammad Walkerson did have better sack numbers, but you know went into that fifth year and then they franchise tagged him the next year and gave him a big contract, and he never panned out. And I think it's different because the attitudes of those two players are very different. Muhammad Walkerson's personality and attitude is much different than Leonard Williams. He's like, look, Leonard Williams is a good guy, conscientious guy. Um, you know, he, he he works hard. I just don't necessarily know if if ultimately he has what it takes to be an elite pass rusher in this league. And which is fine, you could still be a very good player. But I, I agree, uh, you know, with your assessment there. I bet a lot of Jets fans have of this guy. You know, good, very good at times, but has he had to take that next step?
1: Right, and I think I think it's I think a lot of that also comes with the the immense hype that came with his yeah. with his selection. And you know, obviously, he was a guy that a lot of people projected to be, you know, probably the best player in that draft at the time, um, or at least one of the the top three players in that draft. And then, of course, having the opportunity to get him at six, I think a lot of people kind of expected a, a, a Joe Watt. Or a, not a Joe Watt, but a, but a, uh, a, a, a a a a Watt kind of performance from him, and he just hasn't lived up to that to that to that. Uh, to that yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Uh, yeah. What about what about Robbie Anderson? There's also been a lot of talk about maybe Robbie Anderson. I know they offered him the the they tendered him a second round uh, pick. Uh, do you see any way where the Jets maybe let Robbie Anderson go?
0: No, I think they'll keep him this year in the second round tender, and I think he'll sign that. I'll make about. million on a one year deal in that second round tender. Um, They like him and they don't have a lot of receivers right now. So they can't. I mean, that's a good deal for a player of that level to have that, you know, only a $3 million cap number for a year. Um, They like him and if he can keep his. If he can keep himself between the lines off the field in terms of not getting into trouble, obviously he had a couple of arrests and it did, didn't amount ultimately to any suspension um, because all those charges either got thrown away or knocked down. Um, but, um, you know, he's got a lot of talent. He, I mean, in some ways, he is a one dimensional player, yes, but he does what he does very well. And um, I think Adam Gase can find a big role for him in this offense. And if Sam Donald can continue to progress and he can get some time to throw the ball by an offensive line that ideally will be improved, then I think you could see Robbie Anderson definitely take a step forward here in 2019 and then next year is the year that he'll try to cash in well this year he'll try to cash in for next off season so but yeah he'll be back this year playing on that on that second round tender because uh, you know nobody's going to give up a second round pick for him uh, in, in restricted free agency
1: Right. Um, And what about Quincy? I, I, for one, I'm I'm a little frustrated with Quincy because he's one of my favorite players, especially on offense. And it's just like, every time you feel like he's taking that next step, he's about to take that next step and blossom into a star, you know, an injury happens. Mm -hmm. Obviously this year he had that, that, uh, that, uh, that issue, obviously two, two years ago, he had the issue with the neck. And then this year, has some injury issues as well. Uh, where where are you with Quincy Inouye? Do you think he still has the opportunity to be that player that I think a lot of Jet fans see in him? Or is he a guy that, you know, is just always going to have these injury concerns?
0: Why wow. not? Well, I think, I mean, his ceiling's probably that of a number two receiver, or, you know, number three or number two, at best number two. He's not a number one receiver, which, which is fine. You know, you can make a good living in the league doing that, and he can block really well, and he's physical, so he gives you some things that maybe your typical number two receiver would, wouldn't give you. He's so, you know, they see the guy in person, he's a he's a tremendous athlete, and he's played so physically, and one, I mean, the neck injury was kind of a fluke thing, but, you know, even he said that he pushed and pushed and pushed and kept pushing that deal before, you know, until it got really... bad and so I think one thing he's learned from this with a neck injury and then the ankle injury this past year ankle injuries um, is you know to to know when to kind of um, you know not push as hard and one thing with that ankle injury I think the the worst one he had a couple and the worst was a high ankle sprain where he Mm -hmm. he didn't go down someone was tackling him from behind and he didn't go down and he's like I gotta know you know he said later I gotta know when to go down in that spot Um, and you know I can't Nick because trying to push it like that can make uh, an injury happen like that, and it did. So uh, he wound up getting a pretty good deal from the Jets. All things considered, and they like his potential. Um, but uh, but yeah, he, he's got to stay on the field. I mean, he has to stay on the field. Otherwise, he's not going to be worth that contract. He's not going to be able to help the team, and you know, he's not going to have a long career in the NFL. So um, you know, some of these injuries. Yeah. More, more of his fault, I guess, than others, but I think he recognizes there's things he can do to prevent them. And, uh, but he certainly keeps himself in really good shape. And, he, and he's, a, he's a good asset in terms of a complimentary receiver who can block. So, um, he's got potential. He's not a number one, but that's why the Jets need to go try to get a guy like that. Um, uh, and if they can, they're, they'll be in really good shape if they can pair a guy like that with, with Quincy and and Robbie Anderson.
1: Uh, how much pressure is on Mike McCagney this season? You know, obviously we talked about Bowles and, and his tenure, but, you know, there's a lot of Jet fans that kind of felt like McCagney was kind of. You know, maybe let off the hook a little bit. Um, you know, he didn't get enough heat for some of some de- some decisions, some roster construction decisions that weren't great. Um, his drafts have been at best uneven. I think I think most people would 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 say that. Um, where where does he stand in this organization? And if this year, a lot of pressure is on him to kind of finally deliver on on putting a good team together.
0: Absolutely. They don't want a few more games this year he's getting fired i mean that's the bottom line um his contract runs uh through twenty uh twenty uh because after the twenty eight season it was twenty eighteen season it was extended by two years through through the end of twenty twenty so um yeah look i mean it, it, uh, this is a huge year for him. I mean, he has to, this, this free agency period is enormous. He cannot afford to give Lady Umbella a monster contract and have the guy come in and be a complete dud. Like so many of these monster contracts he's given out have right. been. Maybe you think about the Mohammed Wilkerson, or even Tremaine Johnson so far. We'll see if Tremaine Johnson can kind of write the ship, but his track record's not good for giving up big deals. Remember, I mean, the Jets have a ton of cap space this year, but they had a ton of cap space last offseason. And what did they do with it? They got Tremaine Johnson. Terrell Pryor and Spencer Long, who are duds, all three of them. Isaiah Crowell, who was, you know, okay. You know, he got a really, one really good game. Yeah, he wiped, it wasn't like, that great. He yeah. wasn't, he wiped his butt with. <laughs> That was the main thing he was known for. And and then, you know, obviously lower profile guys like Avery Williamson, good signing there. This, uh, the picking up of, of Robbie Anderson in the draft in 2016, after the draft, when he was undrafted, good job there. But uh, on a whole, you know, it's just not enough in terms of, you look at the middle rounds of the draft and from 2015 to 2017, I wrote this today, Kenyon uh, drafted 13 guys from rounds two through five. And really only three of those 13 have turned out to be players. Brandon Shell and, wow. and Jordan, Jordan, look at some of those other, 10 other guys, I've littered brutal names Lorenzo Malden Dylan Donahue Devin Smith or Darius Stewart Chad Hansen I mean that's, that's four of the ten right there I keep going but people know yeah. these names they know these failures I mean him builds his roster by 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 the middle rounds of the draft I mean anybody can get a good player at number six but what are do you doing in the second round third round fourth round those are those are money rounds and, and Mike Mkegdon has not hit on those
1: Absolutely. I mean, I think you hit it spot on. He's just I mean, it's just it's amazing when you look at some of those mid-round selections and how how bad he's whiffed on those. Uh, it's 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 almost scary to think about. But um, why do you think Tremaine Johnson flopped so hard in his first year? I mean, he's a guy who you know, had a track record of being a pretty good player. Uh, probably the Jets overpaid for him as as, as these things tend to be sometimes in free agency. But why do you think he flopped so hard his first year? That's a great
0: question. I mean, that's a big, a great, big question for him. I and mean, some of it is his own doing. I mean, he, he was not focused at times. And I mean, that was obvious. You could see it on the field in Jacksonville and he got beat deep. And then, uh, and then of course, you know, showing up late, that's a horrible look at the end of a bad season. He was hurt at times too, remember, you know, to be fair, he, he had I think that quad strain that sidelined right. him for a few weeks. So, you know, he he did deal with an injury. Um, but in free agency that's the thing. You're overpaying for guys that other teams are willing to give away. Not just other teams, but it, the team that went to the Super Bowl last year right. uh, is willing to give this guy away <laughs> and let him go in free agency. And um, that's what happens in free agency. You know, teams that don't do a good enough job of roster building through the draft have to overpay for other people's cast Playoffs. It's kind of a blunt way of putting it because sometimes you do get a really good player that shakes free, but um, but there's a reason these guys are allowed to be let go, and um, that's why free agency isn't necessarily always the cure all. and um, And I think Tremaine Johnson is Exhibit A for that. So tied to him through probably 20 because of the, na- the nature of his deal, because he got such a big signing bonus to get out of it after 20, a team would be pretty painful. So it's really If you look at the deal, you talk seventy-two million dollars. He's not going to see all of that, probably not. But it's really a three-year, forty-five million-dollar contract. So he'll end up seeing every forty, every penny of that forty-five million dollars. And I mean, if he doesn't do something this year, then he's going to be an albatross hanging around the Jets' neck entering twenty twenty, and you know it'll be another black mark against Mike McHagen's on his record. I think look, he's not a lost cause yet. Let's see what he does under Greg Williams, because remember, he he played well under Greg Williams in in L. A. Um, and Denard Wilson, the cornerback, the secondary coach for the Jets now was was in L. A. too with the Rams. So maybe they can cook up something that can get this guy to kind of kind of get it going.
1: Do you still have faith in him that he's going to figure it out or you're just kind uh, of, oh, I don't know?
0: <laughs> I don't know, man. I'm skeptical. I guess I'm just skeptical in general. But like, but I think there are, like I said, if you look at the the facts of it and just look at it pretty, you know, try to look at it objectively mm-hmm. um, that he's, he's playing now for a coach he had success for in LA and maybe. maybe That'll, that'll be
1: helpful. So you talked about it uh, a couple minutes ago. Uh, the big name that everybody has uh, pinpointed to the Jets really since uh, it seems it feels like since the start of last year, Le'Veon Bell. Um, how do you feel about Le'Veon Bell and the Jets pursuing him? I, you know, I, if you would have asked me this question last year, I would have told you I would have been all gun ho about getting Le'Veon Bell. Obviously, a lot has happened since the start of last year. Um, where are you with the Jets pursuing Le'Veon Bell? And ultimately, do you think the Jets will pursue and sign Jay- Le'Veon Bell?
0: I think they'll pursue him and I think they'll get him and I think they'll give him a ton of money and it'll be more than he should get. But I think he can still be productive. You know, I don't think he'll necessarily produce fully to the contract level because it'll be, you know, it'll be a significant deal. Um, but I think he, he could be helpful for them. The problem, I mean, you kind of alluded to it, like, like last year you look at it and say like, oh, yeah, yeah, this is a guy that maybe be next offseason. But then, but then he did something that like really no guy has done. He sat out the whole year. and He wasn't hurt, yeah. but what kind, of, what kind of shape is this guy in? You know, what, he missed a whole set on tread on him from, from, from playing in that year if he had had like a 300 carry year. But like, I think that the flip side to it is, you know, is he in, is he in football shape? You know, is he in football rhythm? Um, Obviously, he'll have time to get back into shape and get into rhythm. But, um, you know, he's he's been difficult at times in terms of, you know, to deal with. And also, you know, his, you know, drug suspensions or whatever. And and he doesn't have the off-field issues of Antonio Brown. But, you know, fair or not whatever got him in the substance program, you know, that kind of hangs over him in terms of, uh, one more, one more of those situations that he could come down on him really hard. So I, I, don't know what the next thing would be for him if he is, or if he's even cleared through, the program. um, you know, that's part of his, part of his resume. And, um, and, and ultimately, do you want to pay that much money for a running back? I mean, he's really talented. He's really, really talented when, he, when he's on, when he plays, when he's available and healthy, and um, he can do a lot. Um, but how many years does he have left? You know, he's got a lot of mileage on him. So there's a lot of concerns there. Again, are in a position where they didn't do a good enough job. Like, you know, if know, they got Isaiah Crowell like last year, and he turned out to be a great player. And that's a bargain if, if you get him for that money. And But now they've got to go out and spend on this guy uh, who's who's – got a little bit of an unknown factor to him because he didn't play last year. So um, the Jets are in a position where they can't afford to really be picky or to be patient because they do have this young quarterback who they want to take advantage of his of his early talent window here and, and put some pieces around him and let him develop. So that's the tough part of it.
1: Yeah, I'm with you on that. I, you know, I, the, the element that scares me about Le'Veon Bell is such a boom or bust aspect to him. You know, I can see him getting a, a big deal and somewhat living up to it, or I can see him just completely being in a, de- a de- disaster. And that's a scary process with the Jets, especially a, a team that's had a long history of of just having some bad free agent signings. You mentioned it with uh, with Jermaine Johnson being the latest one looks like. Um, what about Antonio Brown? You mentioned him briefly. Uh, not as much connected to the Jets, but although that the Jets have been thrown around as possibly possibly having an interest in them. Uh, if the right deal came along, w- would you be in favor of that? I know you've written about it and talked about it on your on your on the site, but just kind of elaborate further on on Antonio Brown and would the Jets possibly pursue him?
0: Well, they they called and they checked in on, on what the price would be, and they decided against. It pursuing him um they've they've dropped out of that not that they were ever really big players in it so Mm -hmm. so they won't be getting him and they're not going to pursue him and like the price that has been bandied about is a first round pick so it's like no like there's no way a team like the jets that have so many roster holes and is not a win that team should be giving up a first round pick for this guy um i mean certainly not the number three overall pick or or certainly not next year's first round pick i mean that's that would be asinine for this team right so many other needs to fill and antonio brown you know like for all of the headaches that leaving on bell can bring. like antonio brown's like on a different level this guy could come <laughs> in and completely and he's, he's a very talented player but he could come in and completely destroy a young quarterback and a, and the dynamic i mean this is supposed to be donald's team and if this guy comes in and, and is a nightmare to deal with from a teammate perspective you know that could just be a, such a problem so right. um, but i think it's the it's, it's a first round, right, probably a first round, second round pick. Jets don't even have a second round pick to give up if they wanted to. Um, the price of the contract is like, it's like, I mean, it's too much for a team that is not a win now team to go all in on a guy like that um, when they don't have the draft assets and when they need those draft assets to, to roster build because they haven't done a good enough, job, a good enough job of roster building. So here they are still rebuilding team. These picks not giving them away. Um, Especially when you know look, I mean uh, maybe p- people cynical cynical jets fans would say McKagan's better off giving away the picks and actually, the picks. but <laughs> um but uh but yeah that's that's sort of where they are, so they're not going to get no they're not in the Antonio Brown sweepstakes
1: any scenario, anything change from here in a couple of weeks, maybe maybe the sailors you know decide, hey, we don't uh, and I'm with you on on getting Antonio Brown. I don't want him anywhere near the jets, but just for. You know, j- just for argument purposes, you know, what if the price just comes down to the point where this, you know, it's it's almost like a gift to the Jets to go get them? Do you see any situation where may they might take a chance or a flyer on them if the price is right?
0: Oh, that's interesting. Um, you know, I, I think ideally they'd like to have a deal done here. And you and I are talking on Thursday night. And I, I think the date that they said they wanted to have a deal done is tomorrow. It's Friday. Yeah. It's a Friday. So um Maybe they're going to get that first-round pick. Maybe they're I think they want. I think they want him out of there by by the March seventeenth because right. um, that's when he's due to half million dollar roster bonus, or you know, at least the first installment of the roster bonus. So, uh, but no, I don't. I don't think it'll linger to the point where the price will get low enough for the Jets, especially considering the headaches and the red flags with this guy.
1: All right, so I'm going to actually. I'm going to give you. I'm actually going to give me two guys. One guy that you would really want. You really want this Jets to? You want to see the Jets sign like this is a guy that if if you're Mike McCannon you have to go get this guy. If you're if you're serious about building this team up and and making it a team that could possibly contend in the next coming years for a championship under Sam Darnold, uh, who's that guy? Who's that one guy in free agency that you know you know helps that opportunity? Well, I mean, I, I think it would be
0: Bell on a talent level and the most. That would be the most obvious answer. But I think one guy to look at in terms of maybe a less obvious guy. Uh, who could be just as critical, but on a quieter level than Bell, it would be Matt Paradis, the center from yeah. the Broncos. Because if if you look at you look at I talked to Josh McCown about this at the end of the year, just kind of at his locker, and he talked about the you know the importance of having a really good center for a young quarterback and, and, and for the whole line how critical that is, and you know what was kind of left that obviously the Jets last year did not have a really good center, and the Jets in twenty seven. A really good center like Wesley Johnson and Spencer Long. You're talking about back, crummy centers that they had in the post Nick Mangold era. And Nick Mangold did so much for that line uh, that I think, you know, I think Jet fans have, you know, did appreciate it. So it's, it's hard to say it was underappreciated, but um, maybe they took it for granted and, and forgot, you know, how critical it is to have that anchor in the middle. And and maybe paradis could be that guy, um, you know, for a few years for this team. Um, to come and help Sam Darnold as a smart guy there, help this line, get itself back on track. And um, so I think you know, they obviously need a center. So they have to go get somebody, uh, whether it's Mitch Morris or Matt Paradis. It will probably be one of those two guys. Morris has got some injury concerns. So Paradis, I think would be the preference. And, um, yeah, I think he would be a critical piece. Not as sexy of a name as Le'Veon Bell, but certainly a critical piece.
1: And what's a guy that you want them to completely stay away from in free agency? Just a guy that just has bust written all over him.
0: A guy that... Oh, uh, that's an interesting one. Um, I have to think about that. Uh, a guy that I that that, that they wouldn't that they should not go after in free agency. Um, okay. Um, Sorry to put you on I mean, the spot there. <laughs> yeah, no, pr- that's okay. Um, I think that you know. It, at corner, there could be um you know there could be some guys that maybe I'll just put out a couple names here I don't know if there's one guy that would stick out, but Carmartdi wants to come back out of retirement. That's a big no for the jets, you know yeah like that's, <laughs> that's that's one that that's one that's a big no. I think if you look at some of the other guys um like one guy who wants probably a lot of money in for agency and I think has a lot of red flags for me is Ronald Darby, the cornerback from the Eagles. And I, you know, I, I mentioned cornerback off the top of my head and I kind of had to go look at some names here, but, um, Darby's pretty highly regarded. He wants money. Um, the Jets already paid a ton of money last offseason for Tremaine Johnson. Darby's coming off a torn ACL. There's no reason they should be giving this guy big money. You might as well just re-sign Moe Claiborne on a one-year deal and figure out the cornerback spot next year in the draft or try to draft a guy in round three this year or something like that. They have to address probably the slot cornerback position if they're going to let Buster Screen go because I think Perry Nickerson is not really there yet in terms of a guy you can trust as a starter. I think Bryce Callahan's a really interesting guy from the Bears that the Jets could mm-hmm. could target. But cornerbacks are really interesting and polarizing position this year because on one hand, you do have guys like Darby who's coming off the injury. He's going to be asking for a ton of money, and I think the Jets should stay away from him. And then Dominique Rogers cromartie of course, uh, who I kind of like tongue-in-cheek mentioned. But, uh, <laughs> We've but,
1: already had enough Cromarties on but, the Jets. It's okay.
0: No doubt, no doubt. But, <laughs> uh, but yeah, Bryce Callahan, I think, is a guy that they should really look, look into. I think he could be a productive slot cornerback for them. So um, they, you know, they had their uh, they had their 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 issues last year with with Tremaine Johnson. So maybe uh, maybe that would be the position to avoid spending big on this year.
1: I have a name for you that I think it's interesting, and and just you could you could tell me shut up. I'm wrong totally about it <laughs> anytime. What about Landon Collins? Uh, I, I know the Jets have uh, Marcus May. Marcus May is very talented, and he did have some injury issues this year, but for the most part, he's been a pretty good Jet. Um, what about Landon Collins? It's rarely that you see a guy of, of the caliber of Landon Collins hit free agency. It looks like the Giants are completely letting him go. I I, I don't. I mean, I kind of understand it because he you know he doesn't fit James Betcher's defense apparently, but still, a guy. 20- 26, a pro bowler guy, as talented as he is. I I can't imagine you letting him go like that. Um, we're not even trying to make an effort to sign him. Um any fa- maybe fantasy booking of sorts for the Jets but is there any way that you know, maybe on a on a on a decent deal that the Jets might inquire or, or pull or kick those tires?
0: I don't see it just because of the price and how mm-hmm. much they've invested in terms of draft picks at that position. The interesting thing about May is like he's had injury issues, right? So he's two right. years into his career. If he was like 3 years into his career and going into the final year of his deal and you kind of like that's the rub here. Like if may has another rough year this year in terms of injuries or production or whatever, and then you're looking at like, Oh man, he's going to the final year of his deal and he hasn't produced. um, It's almost like he's too early to really know about. Right. And so maybe if, if if this was may, if the last year was May's third year and he had not really produced a ton in terms of staying healthy and whatever, he had a pretty good rookie year. um, Then I think maybe the jets could pull that trigger and say, say farewell to Marcus may or trade him off or whatever. Um, But I just don't see it. Um, the problem is, uh, you know, they just they've invested too much in the in that in that spot, and they also have so many other holes. And I mean, Landon Collins is going to get so much money in terms of what uh, a, a team with a bigger safety need could give him. That uh, it just I just don't see it for the Jets. But um, it, it would be interesting to see, like I said, if, if we're a year into the future and and Marcus may whatever you know continue to be hurt. I mean, we certainly don't I don't certainly don't wish that for him, but um, but we'll see if he's able to return this year. And uh, yeah, like it's weird the whole situation when Landon Collins. The Giants making no effort to, to well. I'm oh, sure they they gauged the price and decided it was too rich for them. But um, you know they're paying. I'm spending a whole lot of money to do God knows what this year. <laughs> <laughs> Well, but, uh, but,
1: well, yeah. not to bury the lead. I'm, I'm a Jet fan with a a giant family. So, uh, what, what are the Giants doing right now? I mean, where are they right now as a franchise? Are they, you know, you kind of get the feeling that they're trying to maybe stick it out with Eli for one more year and give this fran or this current roster a go of it one more time. But then you're also getting feelers that they might be trying to rebuild. So, where, where are the Giants right now in your estimation?
0: I mean, they basically said they're going to do what the Chiefs did in, in 2017 and go get a young quarterback and and let him sit behind the the, the uh, older quarterback and and learn with you know Alex Smith and Patrick Mahomes and they, they, you know the Giants hope they can replicate that and which I guess I kind of get but um, you know Eli Manning's cap number is so big this year that like why not just bring in a young guy and, and roll with them right and and bring in and, and then bring in a, some some veteran backup. Or, you know, a veteran to kind of compete with them like the Jets, like the Jets had with, you know, with Sam Darnold, you know, they draft a guy and, you know, Josh McCown's there to quote unquote compete with them in training camp, but you kind of know where it's going. Um If this guy's really good, you know, if the quarterback you draft is really good and, um, you know, throw him out there. Let them learn on the fly. So I just don't get the Eli Manning part of it. I mean, obviously they're gonna they're gonna draft a quarterback, and as well they should. It's past due. They should have done it last year, probably, even though they got a good player or two. So um, they, you know, it's an interesting time for the Giants. Uh,
1: so one would assume if they're if they're trying to take the Kansas City Chiefs route that they're not gonna even consider trading Odell Beckham, right? One would consider. One would assume that, right?
0: i would be shocked i think that they would have to get such a blow them away offer to do it and that an offer that no team would would be willing to give them but yeah i don't i think beckham stays
1: Interesting, and and I guess we could talk about that as you as you as you mentioned it a little bit. Um, have, have you ever seen a situation like Kyler Murray's situation at the at the combine this this past weekend? Um, obviously, Casterly came out with the big story that uh, you know he just didn't test well at the combine. His interviews were terrible, and and uh, you know he didn't do well at the board. Um, from everything that you hear, is there some validity to that story, or is it just kind of draft? spin or BS I mean where where are you on the whole Murray situation
0: I think you have to be careful you know with what you uh put you know stock into in the pre-draft process because there's so much BS out there um you know, and so much disinformation in the pre draft process. So, you know, who knows what's what's real and what's not? But, um, you know, I, I don't know. I think, you know, I think it would be, it would be wild if, if the Cardinals drafted him first overall after taking Rosen last year. And I think it would be a terrible reflection on Steve Kime, their general manager. It's like, what are you doing? <laughs> like,
1: well, this is uh, the same franchise that inspired Steve Wilkes after one year. I mean, geez, right, I didn't think Steve exactly. Wilkes was this big time yeah. coach, but I mean, geez, at least you got to give the guy at least another year right. to prove that he's got something to work with. Right. So they had
0: some issues there that they. They have to get sorted out. But in terms of the Jets at number three, I think um, it's interesting because if Kyler Murray does go one, then you're looking at a situation where Nick Bosa probably goes two, and then the Jets have to pick from probably uh, you know uh, between Josh Allen and Montez Sweat if you want an edge rusher or Quentin Williams, an interior defensive lineman at number three. Uh, if Kyler Murray falls, then the Jets are in a position that maybe they could try to trade back out of their pick, um, or teams perhaps call their bluff, and uh, you know Kyler Murray falls to the Giants at six, maybe. So it depends and what Murray shows here in the pre-draft process. He didn't work out of the combine, I remember. So... Um, mm-hmm. I think the jets will, will potentially be left with a situation where, um, you know, that I would be stunned if they get Nick Bosa. Um, but they get Quentin Williams, if it goes Bosa Williams, then they are probably looking at maybe Josh Allen or Montez sweat and edge rushers. So it's going to be, it's going to be probably one of those, I would guess one of those two with Quentin Williams or Josh Allen, with, depending on how the draft falls or maybe the jets, I think they'd love to trade back, get a second round pick, get back that pick that they lost in the Darnold trade. Um, and, and still maybe get a better player or a good, pretty good player later in the first round. So, but Quentin Williams, I think, you know, interior defensive lineman doesn't, you know, typically doesn't get a lot of recognition, but this guy's really, really, really good. He watches tape and he's, he's so disruptive. So um, and I think the, the Jets would be fine living with that pick. Hmm.
1: Interesting. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of, I'm kind of leaning towards trading back. That's just my, feeling right now i mean it may change by the time we get to the draft but right now i kind of feel like you know if the deal is out there i think trading back wouldn't be such a bad idea i wouldn't i wouldn't want to trade completely out of the top 10 but just trading back a couple spots i mean anyway you see the giants just completely falling in love with haskins or feeling pressured to, to get haskins i mean you talked about them trying to do the kansas city chiefs uh model well as you remember kansas city traded up to get mahomes any chance and i know there's always been tension between the two franchises, but do you see any way where the Giants call the Jets on draft day or a couple months, a couple weeks before and say, Hey, you know, what, what would it take for us to move up to six or to three? Well,
0: yeah, I think the interesting part is like the Jaguars at seven,
1: what were they going to do
0: now that they're going to get Nick Foles? Does that, you know, that probably decreases the likelihood that they would be nipping at the Giants heels to get a quarterback. So, um, the Nick Foles to the Jaguars thing kind of hurts the Jets a little bit in terms of the teams mm-hmm. in that top 10 who could be in demand for the third pick. So um, with the Dolphins trade up from 13, the Bengals from 11, Um, I, you know, that's a long way to go to get to three and that's a steep price. So, um, I, you know, I, I, maybe the giants could do it if they get skittish, if say Kyler Murray is gone at one and then they think another team could go there to three, um, maybe the giants do it. Um, but I don't think the jets are going to do it preemptively like the Colts did last year with the jet deal. Um, the, I think the Jets would be smart to wait and see what happens with the first couple of picks and then decide if they want deal to deal the pick because if Nick Bosa is going to be there for you at 3 and you've already dealt the pick you're going to be kicking yourself. So, uh, mm-hmm. so I think that's how they should do it. Play it play it out, let it play out and then then see what happens and I think the other teams would be, you know, I think the Giants would be on board with that, but I think yeah, the Jets would be willing to do a deal with the Giants no doubt.
1: Ideally, uh who would you pick at that number 3 spot? It sounds like you're you're really into Quentin Williams uh over Josh Allen. I mean, of course Bosa is on another on another other level, but ideally, if you if you were Mike McKagan and you were sitting there in the, in the in the war room on draft day. Who's the guy that you're just praying that falls to you?
0: Well, I mean, you're praying, I think, that Bosa does. But if Bosa doesn't, and if you don't trade the pick, um, then I, I'm really torn between Josh Allen and Quentin Williams from things. But from everything that all the analysts are saying is that Williams is a better player. You know, he gives you the ability to stop the run in the interior in addition to pushing the pocket and uh, did it at a really high level. Uh, now, he and Josh Allen both really took huge steps. You um, know, Allen played in the SEC, too. Um, Took huge steps, uh, this year after being, you know, kind of uh, this year being 20, 2018 last year after right. being lesser players in 2017 than they were in 2018. So, um, you know, Quentin Williams and Josh Allen don't have a huge track record of success, but they've done it at a high level. And I think, I think Williams would be the guy there because he can help you stop the run. And the Jets have been, were really, really bad against the run last year. Um, so that's got to be a concern for them and one you know an area that they need to try to fix. And, but, of course, Bose is the guy that they're just keeping their fingers crossed that he
1: falls. And I don't know how much draft uh, tape you've watched on all these guys. At, you know, and, and I, I'm sure you're getting ready to do that as the weeks, you know, get closer to the draft. But who's one guy outside of, outside of the usual suspects at the top? who's one guy that you're that you're keeping an eye on a guy not just necessarily for the jets or the giants or anybody but just in general just a guy that you really like from just everything that you've heard and followed and watched tape of um that you really think could be a a, a monster and a steal in this draft
0: well i think dk Metcalf was going toward being less and less of a steal after what he did in the combine but he was a guy that you know if you look at i don't you know, he's not going to be a guy that the jets are going to take at three and he might go in the first round but you know he he's not going to be a third round pick for the Jets. But in terms of just overall, you know, he was a guy who was very much a wild card because of his injury history in, in, in college, but really impressed with the combine. So maybe he's less of a kind of a dark horse type guy now, but uh, he, he's a fascinating guy to see in this pre-draft process.
1: Awesome. Awesome. So it's, it sounds like it's going to be a pretty interesting next couple of weeks. Uh, are you expecting a crazy, <laughs> a crazy week next week with all this free agency stuff? So- no doubt.
0: Yeah, it always is. Always
1: is. Well, I think I speak for a lot of Jet fans, man. We really appreciate your work and everything that you do and, and keeping us informed and getting us, uh, you know, getting, you know, news and stuff out there. So, you know, just from, yeah, you know, I don't know. I don't speak for the millions of Jet fans out there, but I, I, you know, at least for one jet fan, man, thank you for all the work you do, man. It's a oh, no problem. read and a watch, man. Well, before thank you, you for
0: go, that. appreciate you saying that. Thanks for having me on
1: before you go, man, go ahead and plug your website, plug dot uh, NJ.com star ledger, your social media, all that. Where, where can yep. uh, jet fans and non-jet fans find you?
0: Yeah. So, um, it's nj.com slash chats on Twitter, pretty simple. And then uh or on, on the internet. And then uh, on Twitter it's uh at Daryl Slater, D-A-R-R-Y-L Slater on on Twitter. So appreciate everyone reading and following, appreciate you reading and the kind words and and for taking the time to to chat about this tonight and have me on. So um yeah, thanks, man. I appreciate it.
1: No, thank you for giving me we we're only supposed to do about thirty minutes and here we are. talking almost fifty minutes in. So I thank you for your time, man. I appreciate it, man. Of
0: course, anytime.
1: Yo, what's up, everybody? If you're a real fan of any given Sunday, then you have to become a member of our exclusive Facebook page, AGS Nation. AGS Nation is a special Facebook group page where real fans of the podcast can connect with me and other hardcore sports fans. Now, I must warn you, anything goes on this page. Guys post the funniest, most thought-provoking, and sometimes even offensive posts, memes, in the sports universe. So if you're a little bit weak at heart, do not join this page. But if you're a real hardcore fan of the show, join me, connect with me directly on AGS Nation. Don't hesitate, but beware. It goes down in AGS Nation. Peace out. My thanks again to Daryl for joining me this week on the podcast. Please make sure you go follow him on Twitter at Daryl Slater. Check out his work at nj.com, njadvancemedia.com, and of course the starledger.com. Follow us on Twitter at AGS on Instagram, AGS Podcast, on Facebook any given Sunday. Follow me on Twitter at TheManuelBrown, On Instagram, TheManuelBrown, And then of course on Snapchat, mannybro 15 As always, thank you for listening, subscribing, and supporting the show. Without you guys the listeners, there is no podcast. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening each and every week and supporting the show as much as you guys do. Um, like I mentioned at the beginning, this is the first of two shows. The next show I'll have tomorrow will feature uh, Harrison Fagan. He is the editor in chief and podcaster for Silver Screen and Roll. And I've been having this. I've been wanting to have him on in a while as well. So I got two guys that I've been wanting to have on the show for a while now and I, and I booked them back to back. So uh, it should be a good show. We're going to talk about the disaster that is the Los Angeles Lakers. I'm sure you guys will be uh, <laughs> looking forward to me ranting and Ravenwood Harrison about the, uh, the demise of the 2018-2019 Los Angeles Lakers. But until then, uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting and thank you for enjoying the podcast. And I'll have this show up here in the next few hours and uh, hope you guys enjoy it. Um, catch you guys tomorrow with another episode of the podcast. Peace.